stargazers, welcome to 7th House Astrology, where I take a planet, an aspect, a topic, or even a current transit, or just anything that is astrological, and I investigate it under the lens of Sinistry Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misek, and I am so glad that you guys have actually joined me this week, especially after last week's topic, it did get a little intense. But the good news is we have a lighter topic this week, and this is a topic that's actually near and dear to my heart, mainly because I do have this astrological phenomenon in my chart. You know, whether you want to call it an astrological phenomenon or whether you just want to call it another aspect between planets, um, it is that of stelliums. So whether you are familiar with stelliums, actually, if you are familiar with stelliums, I think this will be a great episode for you. We're not only going to break this down as to what they are and how they look like in both the natal chart as well as the synastry chart, but also um, what it means when it comes to relationships. You know, what it means if, say, you have a partner who has a stellium in his or her chart and how that relationship should be treated differently. For those of you who aren't familiar with stelliums, that's okay. I will try to break this down as clearly and concisely as possible. One thing that I do recommend that if you have your natal chart handy, or if you have your partner's natal chart handy, or also if you are logged into a site such as astro.com and you'd like to follow along with me when it comes to say Margot Robbie's chart, whose charts that she is one of the charts that will be featured this week. Um, you could definitely absolutely follow along and, um, definitely you can, um, also spot to see if you do have stelliums in your own chart as well, based off of the descriptions that I will be giving this evening. So in order to launch right into it, so with stelliums, as I've said, I, this is a very near and dear topic because I actually have a stellium in my third house that's in Libra. And, um, again, to kind of get into what they are, stelliums are basically three to five planets clustered together in the natal chart. Now, when I was first studying astrology and until last week, stargazers, I'm going to admit to you that I actually thought that stelliums were supposed to be planets that were all, these three to five planets were supposed to be conjunct, meaning that the planets are so close in orb that they're almost in each other's personal space. So um, really, when I kind of approached this, uh, when I actually was researching it, I was kind of surprised to find like Margot Robbie's chart or John Krakinski's chart where, again, these planets are not necessarily conjunct. They're not really, you know, close together as the planets in my chart are. And also my astrology teacher back in the day had mentioned that her mom had a stellium in her chart, uh, a stellium in Aries of three to five. Actually, she had four planets in Aries that were all also conjunct. So with that said, I began with looking into do the three to five planets have to be conjunct or really close together in order to make a stellium? Now, when looking at Joanna Martine Woolfolk, uh, the author of the only astrology book that you'll ever need, basically with Joanna Martine Woolfolk, her rule of thumb when it comes to stelliums is that it's a grouping of three or more planets in one sign. If we have a grouping of three to five planets, they're all in that one sign, we're good to go. That's a stellium. With the astro twins, it is if planets are in one sign, that's a stellium. So again, uh, as with Joanna Martin Wolfolk, if there are three to five planets, um, sometimes I've actually seen in stelliums too. It's not just five. I've even seen like six planets at times too. I would consider that to be like a, a super stellium. But uh, if they're all just in one sign, we're good to go. With Astro Style, they have mentioned that it's three to five planets close together in one house as well as one sign. And they had gone so far as to mention that actually there are um, charts where uh, the planets, there can be more than one stellium in the sign, which I thought was actually quite interesting um, when it came down to stelliums because I thought it was just one sign, a cluster of three to five planets, all conjunct. But if this uh, applies true where it's just, it's just three to five planets, 
they're all on one sign. And also, as Astro Style had mentioned, if they're all in one house, which I think is actually, that's also actually an important delineation that we haven't gotten into yet. If they're all in one house, all in one sign in the natal chart, then it's a stellium. So if this is true, then Margot Robbie's chart definitely fits that of a stellium. Actually, she fits that of Astro Style, where she actually has two major stelliums in her chart. The first one would be in her sun sign, which is that of Cancer, and it's her sun, Mercury, and Jupiter. Um, they're all in Cancer in her 12th house. Uh, sun and Mercury are actually conjunct. Jupiter's not. Jupiter's just kind of hanging out in her 12th house. The second stellium would be between her Saturn Neptune and Uranus placements, and those guys are in Capricorn in her sixth house. Um, so definitely with Margot Robbie, like I mentioned earlier, definitely two stelliums in her house, which would make for a very interesting and dynamic individual is what I would actually start to say right off the bat when we're taking a look at just the pattern of stelliums. Now with John Krakinski's chart, um, for those of you who are not familiar with John Krakinski, well, you're not alone. Um, I actually did not know him until this last week, but uh, he is the, he is actually a husband or sorry. He, yes, he's a husband, but he's also a director and a producer. His latest credits actually include NBC's series, The Office. He's also been a director and producer in the Quiet Place films. So probably why I'm not very familiar, I'm not really that much, in, I'm not interested in a, the Quiet Place films, um, just, I just, I'm just that way, I'm just weird that way, but I also came to know him as being the husband of Emily Blunt as well too, but um, when it comes to John Krakinski, he actually has, he also, like Marbo, Margot Robbie, Goodness, I'm tongue-tied. Margot Robbie, um, he actually has two stelliums in two different houses. He has his sun, moon, and Pluto in Libra. Uh, the sun and moon are conjunct. Pluto is not. He also has Venus, Mercury, and Uranus in Scorpio, and those guys are not conjunct. Also, um, what's very common with stelliums, another great example is, um, I had seen this with actually a great astrologer's chart. I'm not going to mention his chart just in case he feels that that might be inappropriate in the astrological community, but um, I, I will mention instead kind of an example of what I had seen with his chart. So this particular astrologer, too, also had a stellium. Um, so what, what can happen with stelliums is like, say that we're looking at a chart and somebody has a stellium in Aries. So, um, what can happen is that Mercury and Venus are, can be conjunct, like say in four to five degrees of Aries, and then there might be 16 degrees that lapse. And then there might be Jupiter and Saturn that are conjunct after those 16 degrees. Even though these four plants are not really close to each other, they are close together and they're in one sign, that would also mark a stellium as well too. So um, as we've seen, uh, if we apply this rule, stelliums actually come in all shapes and sizes. They're very different. Um, it's very unlike my chart where I basically have um, a stellium between my moon, Pluto, and Saturn, and they're all conjunct in my third house. So, um, you know, they're all, they're kind of of all shapes and sizes. And as I've mentioned too, it is common to find a actually a stellium in more than one house in more than one sign as well. Um, I think really all the way around when we sum up what are stelliums and what did they look like, I think the pre-ultimate example came in 2020 when we actually had a stellium outside of Capricorn. In fact, um, it was kind of interesting as I was um, researching this week's episode, that stellium actually came up a lot for examples. And um, really the reason for why, you know, in 2020, we had uh, 
uh, so basically it was Saturn and Pluto. They were both conjunct in Capricorn at the beginning of that year, at the beginning of 2020. And then also Jupiter was also um, in Capricorn as well too. It was not conjunct. It was not a part of Pluto and Saturn's orb. However, as the year progressed, it, that did change. Um, actually, Jupiter did come closer to Pluto and Saturn and became, um, you know, became conjunct with them as well, too. But um, many astrologers point that out because, again, that was like the grand stellium that we all have come to know and come to, you know, come to know and come to have learned about um, ever since in the, in the astrological community. I think the biggest reason for why is especially with the rise of COVID, it actually forced all of us to think beyond the figurative meaning of astrology and the planets to the actual literal, literal meaning. So literal meaning being that if there are three or more planets happening outside an earth sign, such as Capricorn, that usually um, indicates not so hygienic uh, situations. Pluto can also indicate disease, Saturn stagnation, and of course Jupiter growth. And as we've seen with COVID, all those all those four things applied, unfortunately. So as I said, we, we had to look at things rather we actually when it comes down to stelliums now and when it comes down to any sort of predictive astrology, we have to take the literal into consideration, you know, just in case we just, we just never know when it comes down to it. So I know what you guys probably are thinking. It's like, okay, so this is a cool, interesting visual of stellium, Sandra, but what do they actually mean when they actually come into the chart? So what stelliums mean is that really all the way around, they are they produce a greater influence in the chart, particularly since um, if all the planets have energy in our chart, and we're to assume that that energy kind of shapes and influences us in certain ways in our life, you know, different parts of our life, and also that's how we, we shape ourselves in our life. It is fair to say that a stellium can actually weigh a chart down. That's why when I looked at, um, when I actually looked at like December, shortly, I think I remembered I looked at my transits in December of 2020, and it was shortly after the winter solstice when I had actually seen that there were like four to five different planets outside of Capricorn, it kind of made my stomach fall out, the pit of my stomach fall out a little bit. Not only did we have intense Capricorn energy, which we could see with everybody wanting to get back to work, um, everyone really kind of being very focused on their livelihood, especially after being ravaged by COVID-19, but also it just, it made me feel a little uneasy because there's a lot of energy going to Capricorn and there's very little energy going to other signs. Now, stelliums are actually common, particularly when um, the generational planets such as Pluto or Saturn go retrograde. I would say really particularly with Pluto when it goes retrograde and it stays in one sign and one planet, or not one planet, sorry, in one sign or in one, uh, how, uh, one sign particularly and also one house, um, it's actually great breeding grounds because other generational planets can actually follow and come up to it. And then when it comes up to it, it, they, you know, obviously other generational planets are there to stay. They kind of stay for a long orb such as Saturn. Um, so that's where not only that conjunction can come up, but also other general generational planets, when they move, they can come up and form that stellium or even personal planets too can come up and form that stellium. But for somebody who has a stellium in their chart, um, usually what that means is that the person who has the stellium, they will act like the sign in which the stellium is in. Now, for someone like Margot Robbie, it's not a big deal because her stellium, one of her stelliums happens in her sun sign. So she probably really identifies very well with the descriptions of cancer 
uh, within astrology books and also within, you know, predictive astrology. And the same with John Krakinski. I mean, he might, you know, feel that he is very Libranesque, you know, because his son is actually involved in the stellium. But for someone who is like myself, um, I don't act like my typical sun sign. And I know I've actually faced through a lot of scrutiny, especially, I mean, especially, this actually came to a head in my astrology class. I actually had a peer who literally treated me like a freak because I did not act like a quote unquote typical Leo. Unfortunately for this peer, she came in for a very rude awakening in the regard that you can't stereotype or put astrology in a nice little box and put a nice little bow on top of it. But um, for many people who have stelliums, it can be, especially if it's far removed from their sun sign, it can be a little frustrating because a lot of people who are only involved in sun sign astrology may be like, oh, gee, you're in Gemini? Well, you don't act like a typical Gemini. There must be something wrong with you. Or, gee, you don't act like a Scorpio. You're not, you're not like a typical Scorpio. Well, there must be something wrong with you. And wrong, that person could indeed have a stellium. They could have a situation where there's three to five planets in another sign that's far removed from their sun sign. And, you know, um, even though stelliums can have a lot of great emphasis on that particular sign, it doesn't mean that they completely act like that sign. Their sun sign might mix in with the stellium. So they might act like, you know, for me, I might not act like a typical Leo, but I can have Leonine traits mixed in with Libra, which is where my stellium occurs. Another example that could occur is say that if there was a June baby, like say there's a baby that was born in 2020, and um, the mother had met, had seen that, oh, my baby's born in Gemini, so he's going to be, he or she's going to be very plucky and curious and fun and just a little bit maybe energetic and rambunctious, maybe a little bit mercurial, but all the way around fun. And again, um, it might be frustrating for both the child as well as for the parent when the parent starts to realize that the child yeah, they're curious, and yes, they do have an inclination towards learning um, and also knowledge, but it's more towards either the financial markets, so it's like kind of advising their parents as to what they should do with their money, or if it's more inclined toward the job, towards jobs or careers, you know, if they might become so much of an expert on careers that they could be a career coach or career counselor, or in some way, shape, or form uh, when it comes to the financial markets as well. They might be reading the stocks, you know, for the day. They might be obsessed with how the stock market is working. And for the mother, it might be like, well, this is kind of nice, but this is not what I expected. This is not a typical Gemini. Well, this baby will not be a typical Gemini in the regard that, yeah, that person has stelliums in Capricorn. So, you know, while there might be some traits such as the curiosity, the book learning, and the knowledge that comes from Gemini, it's going to be more inclined towards Capricorn ideas and Capricorn ideals, such as financial markets, career planning, financial planning. And um, what I just advise all the way around, again, Stargazers, we are more than just our sun signs. Um, and again, if you do have this situation where you do feel like you're more of one sign as opposed to your sun sign, definitely take a look at your chart. You might, again, that that stellium, if you do have a stellium, that would explain it. That would explain a lot of it. The other thing that also happens with stelliums is that the theme of the house that the stellium is in usually plays out in that person's life. So, you know, with Margot Robbie, she would have themes such as psychic development, getting to know her deeper, deepest innermost self, which is actually a theme of the 12th house. But then she would also, not coincidentally, but um, also in concert with that, she would have a lot of themes of the 6th house play out, such as jobs, careers, um, not just jobs and careers, but getting along with coworkers on the set. 
Um, she would um, definitely, she would have moments where, you know, her acting career definitely comes more into focus and in that she is a little more focused on accepting the right roles, accepting the right parts, but also that it's not just about her, but that her colleagues, her co-stars, um, everyone who works with her on set is also equally lauded and equally applauded um, as with a theme in The Sixth House. I would not be surprised if she is also concerned with her health, matters of health, and also matters of giving back to the community, as those are also themes of The Sixth House. So again, um, because there's a lot of energy in those houses, that the particular house where that stellium occurs would also play a big major theme in that person's life. So again, you might be wondering, okay, Sandra, this is all very well interesting, but how does this relate to synastry and relationships? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, so for synastry, I actually came up to a question of, you know, when it comes down to those who have stelliums in their chart, because they act like a sign that could be removed from their sun sign, should we consider a pairing that actually goes nicely with both the, um, the sign that the stellium is occurring within, but also the element that the sign happens to be within. Um, I would say yes to a certain degree. Um, when, we, when we're looking at the element of the particular sign that the stellium is within. So like, for example, somebody if somebody has a stellium in an air sign, such as like Gemini, for example, the one thing that I usually warn, um, even though classical astrology always states pair air signs with fire signs and vice versa and pair water signs with earth signs and vice versa. Um, I normally kind of advocate where if somebody has a, an, an air sign, especially a stellium and an air sign to make sure that their partner or to, you know, I would just advise the person who has a stellium in the air sign. So like with Gemini, I'd advise this person to just be careful that you don't have a partner who has an overabundance of fire in the chart. And the reason why I ask, why I usually state this is because for the air sign, air signs are more inclined towards not only thinking, but when in relationships, they're more inclined towards giving and feeding um, towards the group, particularly with Gemini feeding the individuals of the group with information. In turn, what, um, you know, fire signs tend to do with the air signs. And I've heard this a lot of times with anyone who has a stellium or any personal planet in any air sign is that fire tends to, the fire signs tend to deplete them mainly because they're giving and they're giving a lot only for the, the fire signs to only have that, have the fire signs just consume whatever the air signs are giving. I think usually if somebody has an overly uh, an overabundance of fire in their chart, what I usually see a lot of the time is that not only does the fire sun consume a ton, but what they give in turn is that they just belch a bunch of black smoke into the air, which um, for an air sign, um, particularly as that with Gemini, Libra, or Aquarius, that wouldn't go over so well because they might, you know, like with Gemini and Aquarius, it's like, okay, you're taking a lot of my information or you're taking a lot of my, you know, a lot of my energy and you're just sucking it in. It's like, I can't, I can't get a momentum with you. Um, it, this is, this is just depleting me too much. For, um, for me, I have to say that when I've actually dated a couple of people who have had an abundance of fire in their chart, as someone who has a stellium in Libra, it just feels like I'm giving a lot to the relationship, you know, like emotionally giving a lot to the relationship, only to have that person just take, and they're not giving a lot back. So for that air sign, it could feel like they're being taken advantage of by somebody who has an abundance of fire. And for that matter, they might not feel very loved in turn. If someone has a stellium in fire and there's a lot of air, there's their partner has a lot of air in their chart for the fire sign, it might feel like there's a lot of spark and creativity 
that's actually lacking in the air sign. Well, no wonder because they're depleting the air sign. They're, they're taking a lot from the air sign as well. Um, for water, if someone has a, a stellium in water, I usually advocate that you don't go for someone who has an abundance of earth in their chart in the regard that with, uh, you know, someone who has an abundance of earth, that's basically burying the water and suffocating the water. So that person might feel as though their emotional and intuitive needs are not being met and worse that they're being stifled or dismissed by the, the overly um, earthy person. And also coincidentally with someone who has a lot of earth, um, like say they have an earth stellium, for someone who has a lot of water in their chart, again, that's, that's um, pairing a lot of rationality or a lot of um, being rational and being concrete with a lot of emotion. And it could just feel for that person that there's a lot of emotion afoot. And that could also be very depleting and also kind of a turnoff for the, the stallion person. So what I usually recommend for stellium individuals is make sure that the chart, um, particularly if somebody has one stellium in one particular sign, that the elements are balanced. So like for someone who has a stellium in uh, Gemini, making sure that, the, that their partner's chart has a little bit of a mix of fire as well as of air and not like one or the other. Um, the same with either water, earth, or fire, you know, kind of making sure there's a mixture of elements that are apparent in the chart. This really comes to, um, the, the greatest example of this that comes to mind is that of John Krakinski and Emily Blunt. So as I've mentioned earlier, John Krakinski has not only a stellium in Libra, but also a stellium in Scorpio. So he has a stellium in an air sign and a water sign. And what I do see with Emily Blunt is that um, while she does have a lot, she has a lot of different aspects in water, um, there are a couple of different plants that are also in air as well as in fire. So it's kind of mixed up a little bit. You know, she ends up, she actually has her sun in Pisces, moon in Cancer, Mars in Pisces, and Saturn in Scorpio. But she also has Mercury in Aquarius, um, Venus is zero degrees Aries, so that can either lean um, as being a little bit, Pi actually between Pisces and Aries, which could be a bit of both water and fire. And then she also has Uranus, Jupiter um, conjunct, and then Neptune in Sagittarius. I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, oh, Emily Blunt has a stellium. Actually, she doesn't because um, Uranus, Jupiter, um, and Neptune, Neptune is actually far away from Uranus and Jupiter. They're not in the same sign. They're just, they're actually, while they're in the same sign, they're not in the same house. Um, so they're, they're kind of a little bit removed, but with, um, John Krakinski, when it comes to his chart, um, you know, with the, with Emily Blunt's, uh, water influences that would go very well with his Scorpio side his water side, because again, um, where he can be more of a hard justice sort of Libra, where basically everything is fair when facts and logic are weighing nicely on your side, which, you know, it's not making everybody happy. It's more like if the truth and logic and if the truth and, and justice weigh on your side, well, that's where you win the case as opposed to when you don't. So probably in production, one thing that, that usually would happen with him is that the, the Scorpio side may feel like there needs to be truthful elements in his productions, that there need to be very, um, almost like gory elements in his productions as well too, like so truthful that's up in your face. And Emily Blunt, I, what I do see with that is with the sun in Pisces, the moon in Cancer particularly, is that she may hear him out in the regard that blood, guts, you know, getting the upfront dark truth would be very powerful in a film. But she might say, yeah, babe, that's great. But, um, you know, it would really be nice if it's toned down a little bit, just in case there are, you know, there are families that are seeing this particular movie. 
you know, she might meet um, not only John Krakinski's needs very compassionately, but also kind of present another side that's also compassionate towards the audiences or that might be compassionate towards the other viewpoints as well, too. Um, I also see that she'd be, you know, like I said, very open and receptive to John Krakinski's possible, very passionate and very, um, like not only just the moody nature, but also very passionate nature. You know, she would have a lot of patience and receptivity towards that. And also a lot of receptivity towards him as well, too, to um, kind of make sure that the two of them really come up with the best possible solution in their marriage and in their relationship as much as possible. And even though there's a lot of water, um, one thing that also appealed was that, you know, with Mercury and Aquarius, that would also appeal to his air sign and Libra. And also um, when it comes to when he's weighing things, um, a lot and kind of um, seeing two things and trying to wait, you know, trying to balance everything, you know, the Mercury position in Aquarius could um, give a lot of great um, logic to help John Krakinski weigh the two sides a bit better and come to an absolute conclusion that not only makes sense and that is logic, that's very logical, which is very favorable for an air sign but also that um, helps him to make a decision as well, too. Um, I think also with uh, Venus being zero degrees Aries, John Krakinski, I think it's very fair to say that he does like a lady, especially with the stellium being in Scorpio, that he does like somebody who takes charge and somebody who has um, Aries, or sorry, Venus in Aries is more inclined to taking charge in their romantic relationships and the romantic inclinations as well as within their social obligations. So that'd be very admirable for him. And also it would appease that the fire would appease his air side with Libra, not to mention everything being in Sagittarius and Emily Blunt's chart would also appease Libra. So again, I, I just have to say it is a mixture of elements, mainly water, air, and fire, but you know, it's a mixture of elements to where it's not just all fire or all air or all water so that, you know, it kind of balances out the relationship a lot. I think for stellium people, especially because that planet or the planets are so concentrated in one sign, you know, not just to um, see the compatibility of that sign, but also the compatibility of their elements and making sure that balance is necessary. I think when it comes down to the issue of balance, it is a good thing to do because, again, there's such a concentration in their chart or there's a, such a concentration of energy. And really, that energy needs to be balanced when it comes to the elements at play um, in the chart. Now, the other question is, um, should stellium partners attract partners who exhibit the same traits, the house that the stellium is within, you know, it kind of concerns? So when it comes down to the house, especially, um, the answer is yes. It's actually great to try to find a partner whose house is either compatible or has like planets in their houses that are compatible to the house that has the stellium within it. The best way that I can really explain this is actually drawing up my second example chart of the week, Stargazers, and that would be of Margot Robbie's chart with her husband, Tom Ackerley. So Tom Ackerley is another individual who's a producer and a director as well, too, um, and again, known for being Margot Robbie's husband. But what was very striking is that even though their relationship is actually very eccentric, I'll give you an example um, where her sun sign is in Cancer and her moon sign is in Scorpio. His sun-moon combination is that he has a sun sign in uh, Gemini and a moon sign in Aquarius. So um, we have one person who has a lot of air, another person who has some water in there. Um, typically, water and air don't always get along. Um, Aquarius and Scorpio don't always get along. Scorpio likes to see the depth of everything. Aquarius likes to see the freedom, you know, their own freedom and everything. Gemini and Cancer don't always get along. Gemini is, sees Cancer as being too moody. 
Cancer sees Gemini as being too mercurial and too duplicitous. Um, so I feel like with the Beckhams, with Margot Robbie and Tom Ackerley, they make a lot of things work. And I think that there's a lot of different elements at play that really help them to make their relationship work. And um, it's definitely one chart. It, it's definitely one sinistry chart that's it's very eccentric, but eccentric doesn't always mean bad. So um, I think they make a lot of different concessions for each other and a lot of different sacrifices and negotiations with each other, which that's, I, I point this out because it is necessary in a relationship to do this as well. Um, the astrology of it really makes that true, especially if you have people who are of different signs um, as Margot Robbie and uh, Tom Ackerley. But with Margot Robbie and Tom Ackerley, so as mentioned earlier, Margot Robbie not only has a stellium in, in Cancer in her sun sign, but also in Capricorn in her sixth house. And um, mainly with Capricorn, that Capricorn stellium, again, she's more inclined to focusing on her co-stars, making sure they shine just as much as she as she is shining. Um, she probably approaches um, her movies on set as a team effort more than any other actor would. You know, with that sixth house inclination, especially that sixth house is definitely of service, also of health. But being of service, it's um, being of service to coworkers as well as to oneself. So with Margot Robbie, there's a lot of promoting her co-stars, which a lot of people don't always understand. Um, Tom Ackerley, however, even though um, his moon's position and his sixth house position is different from Margot Robbie's, you know, whereas Margot Robbie's sixth house is in Capricorn, his sixth house is actually in Aquarius. And um, even though they're very different to each other, really with Tom Ackerley, um, his moon sign being in the sixth house, he also values teamwork and promoting others, promoting everybody on the set, promoting all, co all co-stars, promoting all stars on the set, and, you know, making sure that no one is favored, no one is left behind, and that all efforts are applauded and actually used on the set. Um, in fact, with Tom Ackerley, he had, this is a very, a, of a lot of importance because his emotional sector is in the sixth house. So it's not only important to him, but he also feels very deeply about bonding very well with co-stars, bonding very well with cohorts, and also, you know, keeping tabs on health as well, too. Um, what I see in this relationship with Margot Robbie that would make it work is that there are times where her, um, because her Saturn placement and her Uranus placement are near Neptune, Again, um, her views on her like philosophies on how to get along with coworkers or philosophies on promoting coworkers might get a little diluted with um, Neptune being nearby. And the same with dedication. Well, Margot Robbie, it's no doubt she is very dedicated to her roles and she goes all in when it comes to her roles. We can see that definitely. Um, especially with um, a lot of her films. I, I know with Harley Quinn, she is just the most believable Harley Quinn that I've ever seen, ever, um, aside from the graphic novels. But, uh, you know, her dedication at times may be watered down, and she might start doubting her dedication if she's bringing enough to the role. And really with Tom Ackerley, what I see as being a benefit is that he would be able to see not only what Margot Robbie would face, the, the problems that she faces, particularly with that Neptune placement being in between Uranus as well as Saturn, but he would be able to objectively see Margot Robbie's concerns of like saying not being dedicated enough and um, come out not only with support for her, but also um, very logical com conclusions of, what you can do if you're not, if you feel like your dedication is dying or if you feel like you're not bringing it your all. And again, those recommendations are very like 
very practical. They're very easy to implement. They're very spot on as well, too. And um, to have that, I think, would be very helpful for Margot Robbie. Otherwise, she starts getting lost in, am I bringing enough to this character? Am I philosophizing enough for this character? Am I doing enough for this character? And then almost burning herself out in a way. Um, so I feel like this this relationship is balanced with this with her stellium in the sixth house. I also feel with Tom Ackerley, um, you know, even with the sixth house position um, in his chart, I feel like he also has a lot of support for when Margot Robbie deals with a lot of tough issues in her twelfth house as well too when she starts digging in deep and it takes a partner who would be patient in going through the ins and the outs and the rough patches um, of this individual. And he definitely um, strikes me as being that type of a person who just, who would be by her side, who would be helping her um, through that process. And particularly with that moon sign, really helping her uh, through that process logically um, and also just very, in a very caring way um, for her. So um, one thing that I do recommend stargazers when it comes to stelliums in a particular house, the your partner doesn't necessarily have to have a planet outside that particular house. Like for instance, when I've been in a relationship, I don't necessarily need a partner who has planets occurring outside my third house nor are, are having plants occurring outside their third house. Um, one thing that can also benefit is just making sure that the houses are compatible. So instead of just having somebody who has plants in their ninth house, for example, where they just philosophize and theorize about relationships but not really do anything about relationships, it would be helpful to have somebody who has plants in, say, their seventh house where they're willing to take the fact that I like to communicate, I like to learn, you know, they would be willing to implement that into commitment. And, you know, part of commitment is communication. Part of commitment is learning about the other person and making sure that you remain open to the other person's point of view. And also, you know, ideally, if that person has a little bit of air um, in that house, that would also be ideal so that when I'm giving my all, to that person, they're kind of giving back, like there's a bit of a, a trade wind going on uh, within the chart. But also um, for the third house, I'd also recommend planets outside the 10th house as well, to, or not the 10th house, sorry, 11th house. I always get those two mixed up. But yeah, um, having a couple plants outside the 11th house so that, you know, again, when it comes down to companionship, again, um, ideas and exchange of ideas are also very prominent in that chart as well too. And again, um, you know, having that trade off a lot of the time. And just a couple of other notes for you before I sign off for tonight's Stargazer. So when it comes down to stelliums, so the other takeaway, stelliums also convey importance and icebreakers in relationships. And this was according to astrology.com. In fact, they actually gave an example of someone who has a stellium in their seventh house. Um, so for someone who has a stellium in their seventh house, commitment would be of utmost importance to them. And that's commitment with a capital C. Um, so someone who is non-committal or twin flame, that would actually hurt them a lot more. Not only would it be a waste of time and not a great relationship, it would actually be a hurtful relationship to them. They would consider it as such. It would weigh really heavily on them. Um, as opposed to when somebody comes to the, 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 the relationship with commitment in mind. So with stelliums, um, someone who has a stellium, they expect, again, the themes of the house and also the themes of the sign that come into play, they actually, they actually provide icebreakers in the relationship. Another thing is also um, when considering planets in the synastry chart, make sure that, you know, we went into elements of the chart, we went into the houses of the chart, but also make sure that when it comes to someone who has a stellium that 
even though there's a lot of heavy influence in that chart, um, especially in that particular house and that particular sign in the chart, that you're also weighing and looking at the different components of all the different planets that are in that stellium. So like, for example, if say somebody, it, you know, someone's Venus is hitting outside someone's sun sign position, again, that's going to, you know, despite the fact that someone's Venus position is in Pisces while the other's Venus position is in uh, Gemini, um, or whether some of the other person's sun's position, excuse me, is in Gemini. I am just mixing up my words. I'm so sorry, stargazers. Um, that sun uh, Venus pairing would bode very well because again, two individuals are truly falling in love in that regard, despite the stellium and the sign that the stellium happens to be within. So um, do break down the planets as well too and um, convey and see how they convey very well when it comes to the relationship. But above all, when it comes down to stelliums, they can be a really rather zesty part of the relationship as we have seen with John Krakinski and Margot Robbie in those two examples. Um, they can, they can add a lot of zest to the relationship, um, particularly since that person comes to the table with specifics. You know, like when I have approached relationships because of my stellium in my third house, I know someone who is either learned or learned or someone who is learning in life appeals to me a lot as opposed to someone who just is ignorant and remains in the dark, you know, so actively learning maybe, you know, not the smartest person in the world, but I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to be an open book to life as opposed to someone who's like, yeah, I'm not well learned and I don't care to be. I'm too lazy to be. And trust me, I've, I've met those in the latter individuals. And to be honest with you, it's, it's kind of sad when somebody just gives up on learning because that means they kind of give up on opportunities in life is how I feel about it. But um, within a relationship, someone who learns actively and someone who also communicates those are two very important aspects for me in relationships and what I tend to look for. And again, I feel like, again, I bring that heavily to the table when it comes to the relationships. So people who do have stelliums do bring a lot of specifics to the table. And with those specifics, again, those icebreakers of can you meet this or can you not? Um, to the table. But, you know, with the can you meet this, um, again, it just takes, uh, I think, for the other person and for anyone who's in a relationship with someone who has a stellium, it's just a matter of listening and it's a matter of catering to that person's needs just as much as they're catering to your needs. Um, it's as much as catering to your needs or catering to their needs as much as possible, particularly where that stellium is concerned. And you can always believe with stellium people because they do have such an intensity in their chart. They bring their all to the relationship as well. Well, Stargazers, I do hope that this topic was informative. And I do hope that, that it was a, a great episode for you and that it was an interesting one for you. Um, definitely take a look at your chart. See if you do have stelliums. Um, I know um, particular dates and uh, particular uh, years were pretty predominant. Uh, I know if you're born in like 1983 or in the early 2000s, um, I think even in the 90s as well too, there were a lot of stelliums that did occur in the sky. And of course, for those who are 2020 babies and also even 2021 babies last year, this last year, we've had quite a number of stelliums in the sign of Aquarius as well, too. Um, they're very, like I said, again, uh, check out your chart, see if you might have this particular unique aspect in your chart. And if so, um, I hope all this information is very informative for you. It helps you on your journey of discovering your astrological self and also um, helps you in your journey in relationships as well too. For those of you who don't have stelliums, I still hope that this was interesting and informative for you and that it opens your journey, your astrological journey up that much more. 
Um, above all stargazers, do not be afraid to look up at the stars. Uh, we do still have a full moon in effect. Actually, as of right now, it's in Aquarius. It was in Capricorn a couple days ago. And it's, she's just lighting up the sky. It's, it's just, it's really awesome all the way around. But whether or not you're looking up at the stars for particular planets, um, you know, it's a great way to know of our origins of astrology, um, to just look up at the stars, to look up at the sky. Sometimes it's also great to just have a little pause to look up at that. And above all stargazers, between this week and next week, I really hope, I, I really hope that I find you well. And above all, be well between now and then. And until then, I will see you with my next episode. If you'd like to contact Sandra Misek, you can do so at either Misek, M-I-S-E-K dot Sandra at gmail.com or at her Instagram page at Sandra dot Misek. Again, that is M-I-S-E-K. You can also check her out on her Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash 7th House Astrology, where you can get a free sinistry chart of both you and your partner. Again, visit patreon.com forward slash 7th House Astrology, become a member for as little as $5 a month, and get that free sinistry chart reading.